Hello, everybody. This is Scott Johnson, and this is the Daily Blip. I apologize for not being here last couple of days. Crazy weekend. Birthdays, family, and more. Uh, hey, whoa, 2018, what are you doing? You're knocking at the door saying, look what I got. And turns out what you got is a next-gen PlayStation system launching in 2018. Like, literally, new hardware from Sony will arrive as soon as next year. Right on the heels of, I don't know how the Pro's doing, but on the PlayStation Pro heels. Has that done all right? I don't know. Has anyone said? Do we have numbers? Wall Street Journal reports that uh, an analyst named Damien Thong of the Capital, uh, let's see, Macquarie Capital Securities Company said he expected Sony to release its next generation console uh, by the second half of 2018, so fall of next year. Analysts don't always pan out, but uh, this is the same dude that correctly predicted PS4 Pro and Slim ahead of their launches. Uh, so, I mean, if Sony's going to announce anything for next year, it'd have to be at the C3, wouldn't it? So that, to me, is the real trick. If they show up uh, in June and say, guess what, new console next year, then I'll buy it. But up to this point, I, it just feels like a little, like maybe pushing it a little bit. I think maybe what it depends on is Scorpio's success this year, because that comes out at the end of this year. If Scorpio does well and sets off a lot of alarms for Sony, Sony may have to, may, they may be forced to do this. And then we're in like a weird hardware war again, one that involves like, potential upgrades every couple years maybe we're already doing that but it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's quite got that heightened yet but it looks like it might anyway this is nuts and the real question is would sony go the same route as microsoft with backwards compatibility and all that stuff they'd have to right you can't just say here's a new ps5 or whatever and it won't play your ps4 games if scorpio's goal is to be you know, Xbox One capable of playing all Xbox One games, plus 360 games, plus 4K content, plus blah, 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 blah. Then Sony has to answer with that. Uh, many have reached out to Sony for comment. They have, of course, said no comment. <laughs> we don't talk about rumors, but we'll see at E3. If this is happening, E3, baby. Count on it. Hey guys, just checking in to let you know big stuff coming to this anchor channel. If you haven't already favorited it, is that how you do it? You just favorite it, right? Uh, you'll want to because uh, things are about to get crazy on the daily. And I mean it. <laughs> and I should be over my cold by the time it starts. That'll be good. Anyway, check back soon. Love y'all. Talk to you soon. Bye now. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe has set new franchise records, sales records in the U.S. And anyway, we don't. I don't know about Japan or anywhere else, but uh, here in the states, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe for the Nintendo Switch has gone to bonkerinos. I got mine on Friday. I'm playing the poop out of it. It's great. It's great. I mean, look, there's some criticism out there that this is basically the same game that was on the Wii U, just with all the content that was released later and uh, revamped battle mode. And I'm here to tell you that that's 
while somewhat true, it's really the ultimate best version of this game they've ever made. So if you like Mario Kart, like even at all, why aren't you playing Mario Kart 8 Deluxe? Anyway, combining digital and physical copies, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe sold 459,000 copies on launch day. That's on the first day. Again, Friday. And uh, claims now, Nintendo's claiming, that it is the fastest selling game in the franchise's history. That being previous Mario Kart games. Which is no small feat, considering Mario Kart is always very popular, no matter what you do. That record was previously held by the Mario Kart Wii version of the game, which sold 433,900 units on launch day back in 08. I believe that was 08. Weird. Um, anyway, oh, also, I guess um, my, Amazon's claiming that it's the fastest selling video game they've had on their uh, sales this year, which is also kind of a big deal. Systems have reached now more than 2.7 million. Maybe have uh, surpassed that by now. So it makes sense that Mario Kart 8 would be performing strong. Considering Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild was the only game you could get for a while that really, really mattered. I mean, there's some other cool stuff, but, you know, that game was the bomb. And remains the Switch's best-selling game to date. In stores, uh, U.S. stores alone, alone that, uh, that game has sold 925,000 copies. Just short of a million on Switch in March. In that same span worldwide, 2.6 million units. It is selling still more than one per console. Because the consoles are still hard to get. Anyway, well done. And Mario Kart's great. Play it. It's great online. It's great in the house. It's great on TV. It's great on the handheld. It's freaking great. Wario. Am I gonna win? So in more Nintendo news and Switch news, to satisfy Switch demand, Nintendo made a pretty pricey move. They put them on airplanes. What? According to GameStop, Spot rather, in advance of the Switch's release, Nintendo reassured fans that it would do its best to meet demand by shipping 2 million units worldwide at the end of March. It ended up shipping quite a few more than that, thanks in part to a bold move. That we now know about, according to this article, rather than relying quite so heavily on sea freight, Nintendo also shipped an unspecified number of consoles by air, Wall Street Journal reports. Quote, we carried some of the switches by plane in March to serve our customers more promptly. It's pretty expensive. Air freight versus just container boat freight is ridiculously more expensive. So that means per unit cost of about 45 bucks for that, for that shipping is what they ate on this. They basically ate 45 bucks per sale. Uh, which is, you know, that's pretty cool, I guess. Uh, GameStop recently said the system has exceeded its expectations uh, with new stock routinely selling out in a matter of hours. My experience has been minutes. Also, the Pro Controller has been very hard to find. I got one, but I would like two, and I can't find another one. Uh, Nintendo delivered more systems in March than previously expected. A total of 2.7 million switches, which I mentioned in the previous segment. That was all by the 31st. Uh, They say they're going to ship an additional 10 million switch units during the current fiscal year, which runs through March of 2018. So that seems like a lot, but if demand continues to ratchet up like this, I don't know, man. Maybe Nintendo's in trouble. Not in trouble. I mean, this is a a good problem to have, right? Like, who's going to complain about this? Yeah, that device, uh, I don't know. 
I still am a little surprised at how well it's doing. And I really like mine. I guess I'm surprised at how much I like mine, too. Curious what you guys think. Where are you at with your Switch? Are you still having it, uh, enjoying it? Having a good time? Those who have it? You can let me know directly at scottofrogpants.com. Let me know. I want to know. Every year since 2014, Oculus has been at E3, having a booth, showing off their stuff, looking at what's new, announcing new projects, talking about games, that kind of stuff. But for the first time since 2014, Oculus is skipping E3. I think this is significant given the fact that this is the first uh, E3 that will feature public access on the, on the show floor. And not having Oculus there to give everyone pink eye is a weird move, I guess. Anyway, he says they're not going to attend it. Uh, VentureBeat got confirmation from a representative of the company. Like I said, first time since 2014. And uh, it's going to be a noticeable absence, I think. They didn't say why that they're bowing out this year. Nobody knows that for sure. But they've got new products to push. Touch controllers, some other titles and stuff. I mean, I feel like the touch controller could use some more, some more push. They're pretty awesome, but I don't know how many people are buying them. Maybe you need to get out there and like, you know, grease the palms as the, as the kids say, (laughs) uh, surely though, while you're walking around, if you're going and I'm curious who's going and no one's told me who's going publicly uh, outside of press, but I'm very curious if, well, here's what you're going to see. You're going to go, you're going to walk around and you're going to see tons of Oculus and Vive headsets on the floor because people are going to be demoing their games. They just won't be officially representative Oculus booths or or stuff there. Maybe they're there behind the scenes. Maybe you'll have some sort of meetings or something. But, uh, you know, one person you're for sure not going to see there this year, Palmer Lucky. <laughs> he won't be there. But Oculus is saying they've got, they told VentureBeat they have more games and more announcements and other stuff to talk about later this year. So, so I don't know, man. Maybe they just are like, yeah, we're good. We don't have anything huge, so why spend the money? Also, E3 attendance uh, by major boothers has been down anyway. Like EA is still doing their own event, EA Play in Hollywood. Um, Activision, they're doing a multiplayer footage Call of Duty World War II thing. They'll probably show that at the Sony press conference. Maybe the Microsoft one. Probably Sony, though, right? Anyway, looking forward to it. Uh, you can count on tons of coverage for me on June 13th through the 17th, which is E3's 2017. And uh, it all starts with EA's briefing on Saturday and then moving through everyone else. I'm actually really excited about Bethesda again this year. They've got some mystery stuff going on that I'm pretty tweaked about. So excited to hear all the things. You will hear them all here on the Daily Blip and on my regular video game podcast, Boop, B-O-O-P. You can find it at frogpants.com slash boop, where I cover video game news, views, and reviews. And we'll be doing uh, live coverage of E3 as it happens as well from all of those press conferences. Uh, That's going to do it for us. Check us out. Anchor.fm slash Daily Blip is where you can find us on the web. But better yet, go get the the app on the app stores. Whether you have an Android or iOS device, the app is there for you, and it's the best way to consume this content. Like and favorite, and tell everyone else about it. It's going to do it. See you guys tomorrow.
Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Daily Blip. I.B. Scott Johnson. Yar. May's free PlayStation games are now available. It's May 2nd. It's about time. Took a whole day. Anyway, as announced previously, you get your free uh, your free freebies on PlayStation 4 and other Sony devices. And uh, the PlayStation 4 freebies this month include Abzu. This is only in North America. Sorry, Europeans. Alien Na- Alien Nation, rather, which is Europe only. Sorry, America. And Laser Disco Defenders and Type Colon Writer. Get it? Like Typewriter, but it's R-I-D-E-R. Get it? I don't know anything about that game. Uh, so if you're in America, Abzu and Laser Disco, uh, Laser Disco Defenders and Typewriter. If you're in Europe, Alienation and those other games, respectively. Uh, additionally, Telltale's Tales from the Borderlands, based on Gearbox's hit shoot and loot series, will be free in May as well. That's a bit of a surprise. And slightly unfortunate, because I paid real money to play that on my PC, and I haven't yet. And so now I'm irritated, because I could have got it for free. But whatever. You're still hanging on for dear life with your PlayStation 3. We're not leaving you out either. You get Blood Knights and Port Royale 3 Pirates and Merchants. And if you own a Vita, you're still working on your Vita collection, you can pick up Laser Disco Defenders, just like the PS4. I assume that's cross uh, crossplay. Anyway, and Typewriter also for the free month. Uh, I'm going to just try to confirm that crossplay thing. I think both of those are... Both are... Yes, both are crossplay ready. That being Typewriter and Disco Defenders. And they have their weekly deals as well. So if you want to get uh, some of those game, other games on the cheap, Sony's got your back this month. That's your free Sony PlayStation Plus membership games, everybody. Get out there and play. I'm of the opinion, and I think probably some share it, the original Darksiders game was one of the great, I think one of the great games on the last generation of consoles, PS3, Xbox uh, 360 era. It's weird to call it an era now, isn't it? Anyway, I like Darksiders a lot. It was like a, a mature version of of Zelda in a lot of ways. Like structurally, it was it was kind of a Zelda game, but it was set in this really dark universe and you know, Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse and all that stuff. And the main character was played by my friend Liam O'Brien, so I'm probably a little biased. You know him as Illidan Stormrage in the World of Warcraft and Warcraft 3 games. Anyway, uh, Darksiders 3 has been leaked! I don't know so much leaked, but, well, some are calling it a leak, some are saying this was put out early to get people excited, but a third entry in the Darkside series will come to PS4, Xbox One, and PC Sometime in 2018, my guess is that's one of those earlier in the year kind of deals, maybe March or something. Uh, there's a new trailer out for it now, and uh, it's in development at Gunfire Games. This is a studio that incorporates many ex-Vigil Vigil Games employees who worked on the original Darksiders and the sequel. Did you play the sequel? Because the sequel wasn't as good. It was okay, but it wasn't great. Oh, man, the potential lost on that sequel. Kind of a bummer. They went a little too God of War in that sequel and not enough 
Zelda RPG, I thought. But anyway, uh, the quote is this from the publisher. After countless rumors, a major catalog acquisition, and even a corporate rebranding, the team at THQ Nordic is thrilled to finally confirm plans for Darksiders 3, says publisher THQ Nordic's group CEO, Large Wingefors. Lars Wingefors. I think that's how you say it. Probably not with that that weird accent I put on there. Anyway, uh, this was so the IP was one of those deals that got sold off during the THQ collapse. Uh, that big publisher collapse happened a few years ago, and um, yeah, they got a product page up and everything. So here it comes. It appears that you're a lady. Let's see. Hack and slash adventure where players assume the role of Fury in her quest to hunt down and dispose of the seven deadly sins. The most unpredictable and enigmatic of the four horsemen. Uh, Fury must succeed where many have failed to bring balance to the forces <laughs> to the force that now ravage Earth. Darksiders 3 is the long anticipated, uh, anticipated third chapter in the critically acclaimed Darksiders franchise. Oh, I don't know that 2 was all that critically acclaimed. I think maybe you're remembering that differently than you should. Overwatch done screwed up. Well, not really that big a deal, but they... they uh, What's the word? Did not mean to do what they did. Let's put it that way. They've extended the uprising event because they ended it too early. Back in my day, we wouldn't have ended it too early, says Soldier 76. It's not an actual quote. He's a fake person. He's not a real guy. Anyway, Blizzard has extended Overwatch's latest seasonal event uprising after the event ended earlier today, uh, which was earlier than they wanted to do. And some fans were not happy about this. They were like, whoa, hold on. What are you doing? I'm at work. I want to get home. I want to play this thing more. The event ended early by accident, says Blizzard. They admitted this in a message posted on Twitter. Uh, the loot boxes have since been restored. Uh, the King's Row Brawl event taking a little longer to return, but they'll get that back in there. And it should be back in. So if you're already logged in, you may have to get out to see it. Get out and get in again. Uh, they are going to re-enable it across all platforms until 5-2 at 5 p.m. So you have until 5 today. So I guess this was yesterday. Uh, anyway, it's not the first time they've done this, though. They accidentally ended their Halloween one early. Do you guys remember that? And that freaked people out. Um, so they had to... I think they extended that, or they ended up extending it. Anyway, Uprising has been killing it. People really like it. I have friends and family who are nonstop playing it to try to get all the skins. For whatever reason, this this time around, I didn't get all that into the skins. They're fine. They're all good. I just didn't go crazy or buy a bunch of boxes or anything. I just sort of, I don't know. I'm, I've been playing here and there, but I'm not in any kind of rush to get it all, to collect it all. Overwatch is one of those weird games that I played so much of the alpha and so much of the beta that when it comes to the retail release of the game, which I played a fair amount of, I still, I don't think, have logged as, as many hours in the retail release over the last year than I did in the previous beta alpha. I was I was nuts in there. Like, if you could add all those levels to my current level cap, I'd be, I'd be kicking it. Anyway, this all comes on the heels of their 30 million player mark that they just hit. 
in related Blizzard news, Hearthstone just hit 70 million players. You know, I think Blizzard's doing okay. I think maybe they'll uh, I think maybe they'll make it. I think maybe they'll uh, they'll stick it out this time. <laughs> Closing out my time with you today with news of an update to Breath of the Wild, the wildly popular, hugely successful launch title for the Nintendo Switch and, of course, Wii U players have been playing it as well. And um, they did an update today and I saw it pop on my Switch and went, whoa, what's going on here? Best pop out my Mario Kart cartridge and see what's going on in the land of Hyrule and it turns out it is the update that addresses one major complaint that players have had for a while and that is the voice acting of all things weird right now they didn't require or record a bunch of new voice acting what they did was they said hey you don't like the English voice acting you don't like the way we localized it fine now you can switch it up as this you might say switch get it switch Uh, It's brand new features, and there are now nine languages that you can switch over to at will. If you want to hear Japanese, great. You want to hear, uh, I don't know, Swedish or whatever another one is, sure, do that. But no longer do you have to hear Princess Zelda going, Link, I think you're pretty great from the past. You have come to save the future of the place. It's pretty stilted, I admit. It's not great maybe the weakest part of the game right uh and you know most previous zelda games had no voice acting anyway right there were just a lot of ah! yeah like that and it was him you'd hear and nobody else really but now you get to hear occasionally somebody will say something i like the more grunty moments when you're talking to like the old guy at the beginning you just poke poke on him and go like that like a horse kind of that stuff's great. They should not change that. To me, that's like, I don't know, what's it like? It's like, um, you know, Animal Crossing or, or any old game where, oh, simlish, <clears throat> simlish sort of, like I really appreciate a fake, a fake language in a game. So more fake languages, less real languages, please, is guess what I'm asking for here. Thanks, everybody, for supporting the channel. Tell your friends, get the Anchor app if you haven't already. I know I harp on that a lot, but some of you aren't getting it that way. That's fine. If you want to do it on the web, that's fine too. I still think the app's the best way to go. But you can go to anchor.fm slash daily blip and get it every day. We'll see you tomorrow for more. Take care, everybody. Scott Johnson here, and this is the Daily Blip. If you've been holding off getting a PlayStation VR, now might be the time. You can get a free PS4 camera included with the VR headset. That's a $60 value. Now a freebie if you're a new PS4 owner, or PSVR owner, rather. So that was one of my problems with uh, the PlayStation VR when it sold or when it first went on sale, is that you couldn't get the device with the appropriate optical sensor, which turns out to be the PlayStation camera, specifically the PS4 dual uh, optic camera thing they have. And that was an additional 60 bucks. Now, I know there were bundles and things like that, but 
<clears throat> just felt a little nickel and dimey, and it kind of bugged me a little bit. If you go buy yourself a Vive or an Oculus Rift, you get all the pieces and parts you need. Although I would argue the Oculus, which I assume now ships with uh, motion controllers, the hand controller things. What are they called? Hand, uh, I forget what they're called. Anyway, those things. Uh, that's a bummer too when those shipped without those. So, I don't know. Try to give people the complete experience for your money is all I'm saying. There are two retailers in the U.S. now, though, that are offering the uh, $60 discount for anyone who picks up a PSVR headset. That's Amazon and GameStop. This is online only for both of them. They're throwing in the PS4 camera, which is required for the PSVR. And uh, that's all part of the $400 package instead of $460 plus tax. Uh, The camera costs $60 on its own. It can be you know, had as part of the $500 bundle. That includes two PlayStation Move controllers. That's the bundle I referred to earlier. But anyway, that should off help offset uh, any concerns you may have had about the expense of the camera. So now's the time. This is the place. It doesn't look like it's an official Sony promotion, though. Sony was... Uh, somebody reached out to Sony. Who was it? Polygon? Couldn't get an answer out of them. Which sometimes happens. But, uh, yeah... You know, save money. Put a thing on your head. Enter a virtual world. Wonder where it's been all your life. The long wait is over. We now know what, uh, well, at least up till... Now, anyway, there could be some changes. There could be other stuff. But we now know what all the E3 press conference times are going to be so far. Okay? It's going to be here before you know it, June 13th through 15th. That is not that far away and only about a week and a half, two weeks before Nerdtacular. I'm not ready. Uh, In Los Angeles, but things get started a few days earlier with the press conferences from some of the biggest publishers in gaming. Uh, Here's what you're looking at. Right now, Microsoft, Sony, Bethesda, and EA have announced plans. Uh, so Ubisoft briefing will probably take place in the afternoon of June's uh, 12th. That's their usual time slot. Nintendo, the company has confirmed that it will not host a dedicated briefing. However, they do have a presence at the show. They haven't said in what way or what will be shown there, or what they'll have on the floor. Seems like a smart thing to do, even though you're not doing a presser. And, uh, E3, you know, open to the public. 15,000 tickets can be bought by anyone. In fact, I think there's still some available. But here's how it goes. Saturday, June 10th, Electronic Arts, 12 p.m. Pacific. Uh, Sunday, June 11th, Microsoft at 2 p.m. Pacific. And Bethesda, but no time for them yet. Probably in the evening is the thinking, right? On Monday, you've got uh, Ubisoft early afternoon, if you base it on last year's timing. And Sony at 6 p.m. Pacific, Monday night. Uh, the Ubisoft stuff, again, we don't have a time on. But those are the ones that are confirmed. We don't, I don't know about, like, is there a PC Gamer one like last two years? Is there going to be any kind of, uh, I don't know, weird smaller publisher thing happen? These are the things we don't know. But when we know them, we'll likely talk about them here on the Daily Blip. Pretty excited about E3, man. It's like, I don't know, kind of a weird semi-Christmas thing every year. So very much looking forward to it. Now we know when some of it's going to happen. 
I still think it's an advantage for Sony to go last. I know Microsoft thinks it's an advantage to go first, but, uh, well, technically first, console-wise. But I don't know anymore. I'm starting to think Sony gets the jump on them when they do that. But maybe that's locked in for years. I don't know how this stuff works. Anyway, more as we know it. As the world continues to wonder why Nintendo would make 2DS XL a thing, why do those need to exist? <clears throat> we have some word on that. Reggie Fizeme says the new 2DS XL is for uh, consumers who want something, quote, in between. In between? Wouldn't it be the other way? The 3DS would be in between because the 2DS is 2D, 3D, and then you go to your Switch. Wouldn't that be the in between? I don't know if I buy this. Anyway, it's the same. Uh, let's go. Let's let's talk about what we know. Same screen screen size or screen size, uh, and clamshell form factor as the 3ds XL in its current form. Uh, Built-in NFC capability, and uh, so you've got that for your amiibos and whatnot. I'm looking at four amiibos right now. I was a little irritated. In Mario Kart 8. Um, the only ones that worked for me were the all my Link ones, and they all gave me the exact same racer suit. So I'm, I wish there were some more there, but whatever. Anyway, uh, and the price would be, you know, lower for the 2DS. That puts it at the bottom of the scale, not the middle. They're not making that old 2DS weird flat thing, non-foldable thing anymore. So I don't understand that. So some have asked, why does it exist at all? And he says this. The Nintendo 2DS really focused on that entry-level gamer. The four, five, six-year-old that was just getting into gaming but wants to play Mario Kart, wants to have Super Mario Brothers, wants to have that experience, wants to play Pokemon, and we feel with Nintendo 3DS XL and are at 199 that is a fully featured product. Uh, that it is, if you will. The Cadillac of handheld gaming, he says. I think the Switch is. Anyway. Also, people still used to use Cadillac as the, as the standard for their metaphors. It's weird. Better cars now. Anyway. Uh, he says this, then we heard from consumers, boy, I wish there was something in between. That's why the company decided to make the 2DS XL, says fils I don't know, man. I don't know if I buy it. I like Reggie a lot, but come on. And I'm not saying don't make it. I want one. I think you don't need to have an excuse. You don't need to explain it. Just see if it sells well. If it does, then you got, your, you got yourself a hit on your hands. I think it may be the one moving forward and the 3DS will get phased out. People don't care about that 3D anymore. It hurts your eyes and is sort of annoying. So why not a sleeker, cooler looking, <clears throat> more advanced device? At least by looks of it. Screw the 3D, then you got your portable, and then you got your Switch, which is also weirdly portable. I don't know, it's very confusing. ready to leave the world of Nintendo. Not just yet. <clears throat> uh, Nintendo added a couple of eShop games yesterday. Tumbleseed and Blazing Star. I am very interested in Tumbleseed. Had a few friends tell me it is amazing. I think it's on Steam. I think it's on PlayStation also. Uh, 
trying to decide where I want to get it. It's only 15 bucks. So, what do you guys think? I need your advice. Get that on the Switch eShop, buy it on Steam, get it someplace else. I don't know. The other game is that Blazing Star game. It's an $8 Neo Geo game. I do not know what Blazing Star is. Never played it. Some of you are going, what, Scott? Come on, how can you be a gamer and never, never played that in the arcade or whatever? I don't know what it is. Uh, both are pretty small games. I'd call them indies. Not really indie. Well, I mean, the Neo Geo is not really an indie, but whatever. It's in the classic category. Tumbleseed comes in at about 506 megabytes. And uh, the 98 uh, game, Blazing Star, comes in at 96. Tumbleseed is a single-player game, while Blazing Star supports up to two players. Uh, sure, I guess why not? Hey, look, more games on the eShop is all I'm saying. That device has so much potential to go far beyond just AAA titles and Nintendo first-party releases. It could become the, I don't know, the the device du jour for more complex than mobile style indies, you know? Something that needs more than a touchscreen. It's kind of awesome to think about what, what the potential is here. Anyway, that's, uh, let's see, we got, what do we have coming up? We got Mario Kart 8, got that, that's great, love it. Uh, Minecraft is coming on May 11th, so if you're into that, that's a thing you can do. And um, they think that this console's already reached relative parity with the Wii in terms of sales thus far. In other words, they continue to talk about why they, why they have a big hit on their hands. Why they would muddy the water by trying to push a 2D XL is weird. Again, I want one, so maybe that's why. Maybe they just know I exist and many, many others like me are going to want one. I don't know why I want one. I can't do that. Why am I thinking about doing that? Oh, one small note. Uh, the Mario Kart 8 cartridge also tastes better just like the uh, the Breath of the Wild one did. It's got that same coating to discourage kids from swallowing the cartridges. So, Just a little, I did that for you. I did it for you guys. I learned it from you, Dad. I learned it from you. <laughs> Where are all my 80s peeps at? Anyway, that's it. Thanks for being here. Uh, back tomorrow with a bunch more shows. So come on back and uh, tell your friends about the blip. It's at uh, anchor.fm slash daily blip. And uh, you can find it there or on the Anchor app. And uh, we love it. And we love you. And we love games. Let's go play some. We'll talk to you later. This is the Daily Blip. I'm Scott Johnson. A little bit of controversy in the Steam world this morning. Steam's making changes to its gifting system, and in some parts of the world, this is a big negative, I guess. Australians are up in arms. Anyway, in a blog post today, they acknowledge that the process of sending somebody a gift within the system um, has had what they call a bunch of friction in it for a while, whatever that means. Uh, well, well, we'll learn here, won't we? In an effort to make easier uh, that process easier, they're adopting a more, I guess you'd call it, a direct approach. Here's the quote from Valve. Steam gifting will now be a system of direct exchange from gift buyer to gift receiver, and we will be retiring the gift to email and gift to inventory options. 
So this means straight up Steam user to Steam user gifting and not the whole email thing. It's a little frustrating for me because what will happen is, uh, you know, I you don't necessarily, I'll, I'll gift something to somebody. Like sometimes I'll give a code to a fan and I don't have their Steam stuff. We're not Steam friends necessarily. That's a bunch of hoops to jump through to get all that going on. I just want to give them the gift and an email is a nice way to do that. So, um. I don't know. It's kind of kind of frustrating. Uh, there's also a change for uh, declining gifts. So if you've already got it in your inventory, the new system lets you select decline, and then uh, the purchase will be refunded directly to the buyer. So not to you, but to the person who sent you the gift in the first place. They also say additionally that uh, the updated gifting system will work across countries more easily. However, there is large differences in pricing between countries. So that's kind of a problem. If gifting doesn't work, you'll be notified before checkout. So that's where the international issue comes from. Um, currency differences and stuff like that, that's going to throw things into a weird loop. And uh, Technically, you could have a friend on the cheaper side getting all the games for you on the more expensive side, and they don't want that, which makes sense. Uh, this is all in light of earlier this year, Steam reaching 14 million concurrent users, setting a new record. The service has more than 125 million users, or members, rather. 14 million concurrent is a lot. Nobody has anything quite like that except for some of the Chinese services. They're the ones to watch. Anyway, the gift that keeps on giving and changing policy. Overwatch makes a lot of money. It's already a billion-dollar franchise. It's not even a year into the damn thing. Uh, it has become Activision Blizzard's eighth billion-dollar series. So it's the eighth time they've had a game. Boy, it's hard to believe Activision from its from its early beginnings back in the Atari days, man. Look at them now. Anyway, this is part of their recent earnings report. The company revealed that Blizzard's hero shooter Overwatch has crossed a big money milestone. It is now a billion dollar franchise. The eighth in Activision's history, like I said. Joining the likes of World of Warcraft and Call of Duty. Uh, the billion dollar figure covers revenue from game sales, microtransactions through the popular loot box system. This all according to Polygon.com. Uh, reached, or the the... 30 million player base reach was faster than any game in the history of Blizzard. So there's that. Uh, they also set a new record for monthly active users during the fiscal quarter one, according to Activision Blizzard during this earnings call. Though the company did not share any specific numbers, the company also reiterated that Overwatch hit 30 million registered players. They told us that before, though. Um, let's see the, oh, they talked about, uh, there's a bunch of talk about World War II and some other stuff, Destiny 2 and what they are perceiving based on pre-orders, which I guess you can do now. Oh, I dropped my phone. That's not good. Uh, <laughs> so that's good. Uh, they're calling that quote, very strong. And, uh, yeah, they're doing all right. You know, look. Blizzard is a, I mean, Blizzard, what they make is great always, right? But 
the uh, the juggernaut that is Activision Blizzard now. This this combining this company that used to be sort of separate and now you know they're all in it to win it is formidable. Like, has anyone? Are we talking about EA at all these days? They've got games, no doubt, right? Like, there's games there, but nobody talks about EA with the reverence or the excitement, or at least the volume that we hear about Activision and its subsidiaries. Blizzard being one, although they're hard, it's hard to call them a subsidiary. They're more like a reason. <laughs> they're almost like the reason they exist. It's a hard. It's a weird relationship, but man, they're just. I don't know. I don't know what EA's doing. What's EA doing? Someone want to check in on EA, see how they're doing over there? Because I'm worried about it a little bit. So I found this to be a bit of a bummer. Facebook is closing the Oculus Story Studio. This thing won some awards, like Emmys. And it was all the talk, right? We're going to make award-winning VR animation. It's going to be this new way of doing film. Hey, filmmakers and animators, come on in here. Let's do some kind of cool VR entertainment. And I was excited about what that future would be. Still am. I mean, there's not everybody's going away on this, but Facebook, the owner of Oculus shutting it down it's narrative vr team in their words they're winding down that means they're shutting it down anyway it's kind of a bummer jason rubin he's the uh, former naughty dog founder turned oculus vp of content said in, uh, in a statement today that he's winding the system down or winding that studio down um which is really a bummer Uh, The quote goes like this. Two years ago, at the dawn of the modern VR revolution, Oculus launched Story Studio to prove the possibility and allure of a new art form, real-time storytelling. Story Studio created a series of cutting-edge VR shorts, including Lost, Henry, and Dear Angela, and would inspire traditional filmmakers and a new generation of storytellers to invest in VR. This strikes me as BS, because if it was going great, you wouldn't be stopping the studio. But anyway... We're now entering the next chapter of VR development where new creators enter the market in anticipation of adoption and growth. And we've been looking at the best way to allocate our resources to create an impact on the ecosystem. After careful consideration, we've decided to shift our focus away from internal content creation to support more external production. As part of that shift, we will be winding down Story Studio. Bummer. Bummer. Anyway. Uh, you know, whatever. This is a chance, I guess, for them to foster more outside stuff. But also, let's admit it. As much as I'm enjoying my my uh, my Vive, and I have been lately, uh, I played, uh, uh, what's that space one where you go in there and mess with Earth trajectory and fiddle with, like, orbits and stuff, and it jacks up the universe. What's that called? Something sandbox. Space, uh, space sandbox 2? Universe sandbox 2. Is that it? Anyway, playing that in VR is a trip. One of my new favorite experiences in there. And it's not even a new one. It's kind of old. I'm just late to the game. But uh, as much as I'm enjoying those experiences, and, you know, VR's got its moments, uh, it's clearly not done what everyone thought it would do in terms of wide adoption yet. We're early days, right? We are ground level. No doubt the future is bright, blah, blah, blah. But maybe it just comes down to that. 
you can't sustain studios like this if you can't prove the technology out enough to get it in enough hands across enough systems. And in the case of Oculus, you're talking about a specific headset that needs to sell a ton. That's who they're developing for. So anyway, going to be interesting over the next couple of years. VR, is it dead? Is it alive? What is it exactly? been just sitting around going you know there's one thing my favorite MOBA smite is missing it's Bob Ross the painter dude remember him fluffy little clouds that guy happy little trees anyway the joy of painting you remember this guy anyway he's coming to high-res studios MOBA smite next week it's a skin for an existing uh, character Sylvanius Sylvanus Sounds a lot like Sylvanas, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> he'll be armed with plenty of the painter's trademarks, including happy little trees and clouds, says this statement on Polygon. The Bob Ross skin is going to turn uh, that character into a painter. He'll have a brush. He'll have a palette. He'll run up and down the lane and do dumb stuff. <laughs> uh, that's kind of cool. I mean... <laughs> The Bob Ross deal, right? Like, the whole Bob Ross thing is such a strange thing. When I was a kid, that was on TV. Okay, I was a little kid. And I didn't know that that would be part of my nerd culture all these years later, that it would somehow survive. Isn't that strange? It's really strange. You can buy it for 10 bucks or 700 gems in-game when it's released on Mac and Windows PC. It looks like the date is May 9th, so that's just a few days from now. And we'll be on the console version of Smite May 16th. I wonder how that's going for them, the console version of that. Anyway, Bob Ross, baby. Back at it. Uh, final tiny bit of news here, just at the tail end of things. Uh, congratulations uh, to uh, Half-Life for finally going uncensored in Germany nearly two decades later after its original release in 1998. We are almost 20 years Post Half-Life, everybody. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Roll that around on your tongue and see how it tastes. Woo! 20 years, man. Anyway, if you wanted the German version, it had it has been available, but it was like heavily, heavily censored for content. You know, blood and all that. It used to be real hardcore on that stuff. They still kind of are, but uh, it's gotten a little easier. The game could not uh, be sold to anyone under 18. Um... You know, all that kind of stuff. This it, it, it had the it's same treatment that Doom and Red Faction and a few others of the time uh, also had applied to it. And uh, now, you can get it all bloody and gross. It is finally uncensored in Germany. A full two decades after. And I can't believe we're almost 20 years! Somebody did the math today on Twitter. They said Half-Life 1, so you take 1, plus Half-Life... 20 years, there's a 2 in there, you add them together, that makes 3, Half-Life 3 confirmed. Bingo. <laughs> hey, guys, if you like this channel, share it with your friends, tell other people about it, and make sure you're listening on the Anchor app via iOS or Android. Uh, find us on the web also at anchor.fm slash daily blip. That's going to do it for me. Thanks, everybody, for being here. We'll be back tomorrow. Have a good one.
everybody. Welcome back to the, well, it's the Daily Blip. And I'm Scott Johnson. And um, have you, have you, have you been like me? Have, have you over the last couple of years wondered where that fabled first person shooter based on The Walking Dead was at? It was announced in 2014. And it got delayed again. This is the uh, game being developed by Overkill Software. And uh, Starbreeze Studios, they own Overkill. They're like, uh, they do more publishing than anything these days. Announced on Friday that the game is now pushed to the second half of 2018. Uh, The last launch window was the latter half of this year. But now that's gotten bumped. So originally it was supposed to be in 2015. Then 2016. Bumped again to 2017. Now, 2018. Seriously, though, how good can the game be at this point? Are we, is it a, I mean, where are we with this? Where's your head at? Do you care about a shooter based on, on the, the world of, uh, you know, of the walking dead or are you done with that stuff? Are you sick of the walking dead by now? I mean, I was looking forward to it because I just like a shoot. I like a mindless zombie shooter. I'm into that. I think that's cool. But it was going to spawn or uh, span rather the comic books, the television stuff, the novels. Um, the games were supposed to tell a bunch of backstory we didn't know yet or whatever. And uh, there was an earlier FPS that was terrible. It was called The Walking Dead Survival Instinct, and it was made by Terminal Reality. Activision uh, published that thing, and it was a critical and sales flop when it launched in 2013. So people had high hopes for this thing. Put your high hopes back in the low hope chest, everybody, because 2018 now. Must be something wrong. Either that or maybe we'll be glad it'll be all polished and rad and great by then. But at this stage, you got to wonder. Anyway, there it is. Looking forward to The Walking Dead FPS. Title still to be determined. There's some news here for Dota fans. Dota 2 fans, not Dota the mod for Warcraft 3. Y'all are done getting news, okay? You're not as relevant as you used to be. I know you can still play that. I'm not giving you a hard time. I'm just saying. There is a Dota 2 co-op campaign included in the International 2017 Battle Pass. This is the thing you guys all spend money on if you like your Dota. And it comes with all sorts of stuff. Skins and hats and stuff and cosmetics and whatever. And this time around, they are including a co-op campaign, which is actually pretty neat. Uh, two chapters, both set in the depths of Dark Reef. Um, and already, this thing is up at $5.8 million for the International's prize pool. That that number is probably higher now. Because <laughs> I think last year it was 18, 20 million or whatever. It's crazy. Anyway, uh, it is called Silt Breaker, the name of the campaign. Two-act journey. And uh, arrives May for the first chapter. Act 2 comes out in July. It says here it's an all-new campaign according to Valve. Quote, calls upon you to party up with three friends or queue met allies through battle. Sorry, to battle through a diverse landscape of loathsome monsters, cunning traps, and other lethal terrors. Unquote. Uh, it says here campaign XP will be rewarded with each play. A uh, Desert Sands Baby Roshan will also be the ultimate prize. On the Wheel of Awards, and an XP booster is available at the battle level 165. 
Also, there are going to be some quests and some other stuff, other objectives for the group, numerous uh, completion rewards, all offering rewards across the board there. So that seems good. If you want to know more details, you can go to the official site. Right now, the Battle Pass includes the Compendium, a digital companion to the tournament, and its predictions, brackets, fantasy esports challenges, all that stuff. They've done that all in years past. The big difference here is the campaign that's now being included. Battle Pass is offered at level 1 for $9.99, level 75 for $36.99. Players may purchase additional levels in lots of 5, 11, and 24 for $2.49, uh, $4.99, and $9.99, respectively. So, get it on your calendar, too. The uh, International 2017 held August 7th to August 12th at Key Arena in Seattle. This is Valve's big show for for Dota 2. It's a good time. I watched it last year. I had a good time. I don't love Dota, but I did like the competition. So, go get on it. Go support Dota or play Heroes of the Storm instead. That's what I'm doing instead. I'm coming late to this. I didn't know there was a Gears of War movie being made. Did you? Gears of War has, uh, I guess, gone further down the road of production. Has not been sacked or lost or turned around or restarted. And uh, they've tapped a writer who wrote Armageddon and Avatar. Avatar, the blue space people, not Avatar, their last airbender. Because that would be a sad bit of news because that movie was really bad. Anyway, Armageddon, though, that's cool, right? Go to a big rock, take Bruce Willis up there and all your pals, get some, get some work done. Anyway, <laughs> we're now into a, a decade of Gears of War movie attempts, and uh, things look like they're finally starting to happen, you know? his uh, This is Shane Salerno, this is the writer, and he's got other credits that you may be familiar with, like uh, the complete rewrite of Michael Bay's Armageddon, the TV series Hawaii Five-0, and Ubisoft's Ghost Recon Wildlands. That last one gives me a little pause because it's not very well written. The dialogue is terrible in that. And he's also the guy helping James Cameron write the four planned sequels to Avatar. Uh, anyway, this is happening. I've tried, I, you know, I mean, whatever. I've seen weirder video games make it to film, but... Uh, Gears of War is kind of one of those where I don't know how you translate it very well. It's like the Doom movie, you know? I don't know how you do that. Maybe you can totally pull it off. I mean, Armageddon's basically a bunch of space marines, right? A bunch of ragtag weirdos with, like, all kinds of problems and issues, but put a gun in their hand, they get the job done. Anyway, between Microsoft and Epic Games, they've tried to make the Gears of War movie happen just about 10 years now. Uh, Universal had a project in 2016. The New Line Cinema tried unsuccessfully to bring the franchise to theaters then. And a version of the project had multiple writers and directors, uh, including Len Wiseman from Underworld attached. You know those Underworld vampire movies? So that was a possibility. Anyway, looks like we might finally get it. Gears of War. Destined for film. Destined for theaters. It was always meant to be.
I've been spending some time in space. <laughs> Recently got a new rig from Doghouse Systems. Love this computer. And um, I wanted to do some VR. I hadn't hooked up the VR stuff uh, since moving the system. And I thought, you know what? Time to get all that hooked up. See what's going on. See how this uh, 1080 spanking new fast video card was going to run. And uh, tried. I would completely forgotten that that uh, Galaxy or no Universe. What is it? Universe Sandbox Two. That's what it's called. Uh, completely forgot that there was some some VR stuff to that. And uh, I didn't know how or what or how it would work because normally that's just like a universe simulator. You got you know the solar system there, and they're all planets doing stuff. You can zoom in and out with a mouse or whatever, and add some mass to the moon, and it jacks the Earth all up, or you can make the the sun smaller which means we're suddenly an ice planet or make it larger and now we're you know a horrible burnt out waterless husk of a former earth that kind of stuff plus you know you can put red dwarfs and and blue giants and you know weird stuff all over the universe and and totally mess things up i can you know make 10 moons and put them in orbit around the earth and it just jacks everything up so it's really fun. It's all based on actual physical models that are based on NASA research and data and all this. So it's a cool little game on its own. But I'd forgotten there was VR stuff in there. So you get inside of that thing and you appear like right next to Earth kind of in God mode. It's like right there in front of you. And you can shrink or expand how close you are to that or how large the world is. And in one hand, I got one Vive controller shooting off moons. and the other hand, I can do something else. And you can kind of assign different tools to different things. And man, messing around in there is a total blast. Um, I can tell you this, you can launch as many moons, regular old earth moons into the sun you want. It's not going to do jack crap. It doesn't move the sun. It's not enough to change the mass of the sun. It doesn't create enough interference to really do much. However, if I fire a crap ton of earths into the sun, like multiple earths, probably around 20, just boom, 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 boom. Uh, it eventually supernovas and destroys the entire system. So... It's really cool, and people should check that out. I've also been playing a game called Dead Cells, and uh, it's in early access, very early access. In fact, I'm not even sure it's on the store yet, but I got an early code from the developer. Went in not knowing what to expect. I just knew that somebody said, hey, this is the next Rogue Legacy. How do you feel about that? And I said, oh, I feel really good about that. I love Rogue Legacy. Show me what you got. And um, it's very much uh, that, but a lot more than that. Graphically, it still sort of looks retro, but it's really fluidly animated, and it's more like Metroid and Castlevania than 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 I thought it was going to be. Um, I don't even know how to explain this thing. I love it. It feels so good. So if you're looking for a new roguelike uh, that's got you know unlock permanent progression as well as random lots of deaths, all that stuff you like about your roguelikes, and if you'd liked Rogue Legacy at all. Oh man, I think we I think we got something special coming. Called Dead Cells. And uh mm, don't know what else to say about it. And maybe I'm not even supposed to at this point, but I really like it so far. Anyway, more about uh what I'm playing, what we're doing, and what the news looks like tomorrow here on the Daily Blip. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you then. one thing I like here on the Daily Blip with Scott Johnson, it's a good deal. 
I have never come around to picking up an X, picking up a double. Can't talk. Picking up an Xbox One bundle for myself. Don't know why. PlayStation Four has just kind of ruled the console age for me, and now the Switch is sort of filling in the rest of the need, you know. So for me to want to run out and grab the Xbox One in any of its incarnations has been not a priority for me. However, the Xbox One terabyte bundle which has a full terabyte of storage, is now available for $240. Comes with Gears of War 4. have to say that's kind of attractive. So it's typically the 500 gigabyte variety that goes on sale. But now you can get this one terabyte one for less than $250. Newegg is selling the one terabyte Gears of War bundle for only $240. That's a solid price. Uh, for this particular model of the Xbox One S. By the way, this is the S. I should mention that. This isn't just the One. This is the S. So if you're interested in Gears of War and uh, you like the storage the, or the sound of storage, normally these retail for $350. Bucks, so you're saving basically $100. In the United States, you get shipping for free. They're only selling this through Newegg's eBay store. And there are only a limited quantity of systems available. And uh, they don't say how long it's available for, and there's really no way to know. So if you're in the market for an Xbox One, time to do it. Also, there's the impending launch of the Project Scorpio, and because of that, maybe you want to save your money. That's due out later this year. See, that's the other problem. Even though you can recognize this as a screaming deal, which I do, it's a great deal. We're looking at a significant boost in horsepower and overall functionality, blah, blah, blah. At, At least if all the promises Microsoft's making are true. And I have no reason to think they're not. Why wouldn't I just wait for a Scorpio? I mean, if y'all think I should do different, you should tell me. But right now, I feel like I'm on the, I'm on the waiting list because the the ones are only or the one S is only going to get cheaper anyway, right? Anyway, man, that Scorpio. We got to see what happens there, don't we? June's going to be interesting. June's like all hands on deck. I'm guessing. When I think about it, E3, by, by June I mean E3, E3 is going to be a big Microsoft month. Like, that's all we're going to hear about. So, anyway, coming up soon. Watch for it. I'll do lots of coverage also, also on my podcast, including live coverage of the Microsoft presser at frogpants.com slash B-O-O-P. That's boop at frogpants.com. on the show about speed runs and how they impress me or I have before I don't know that I talk about them all the time but once in a while a brand new game will come out and we'll find out that somebody's already speed run that thing and they do it in such a ridiculous amount of time it's pretty annoying that's what's happened with Prey only been out what four days three days wait when did this come out Friday was last Tuesday anyway the first person shooter game Prey has been beaten in 19 minutes, 34 seconds. That's a $60 game, I mind you. And it really is an art form, this kind of speedrunning, but it still kind of makes me feel like, well, what are we playing these games for? You know what I mean? Anyway, uh, Dracu, D-R-A-Q-U, is the name of the person who did it. He's a streamer. Posted the new world record time on uh, on the internet there. 
It's about the haunting sci-fi adventure called Prey. And uh, the whole thing lasts 19 minutes, 34 seconds. A time made more unfathomable when you consider. This is his... Uh, oh, he <laughs> he did the game in 44.06 minutes the day before. So one day before this time posted at 20 minutes, he did it in 44 minutes. So not only are you taking days and days to finish Prey, this guy did it twice in two sessions at under an hour each. One of them under 20. That's insane. So he may keep going and before you know it, do it in 10 minutes by tomorrow. So I don't know, check back in, I guess. (laughs) That's insane to me. Anyway, I'm going to watch this 20-minute run-through. I haven't yet, but I'm going to watch it because I kind of... I have a feeling I'm not going to play Prey because I'm just not... I don't know. just not into it. It didn't jump out at me as something I wanted to pick up right away. And uh, I guess I'm just curious to see how (laughs) he freaking does this. I mean, maybe I'll get it on sale at some point, but even then I kind of want to see how he does it. So anyway, maybe I'll watch it and check back in. Prey. 20 minutes of praying. Well, they're fun, right? We never quite get sick of the zombies. At least Black Ops 3 Zombies Chronicles think so. If you've got 30 bucks burning a hole in your digital wallet, it's uh, basically a greatest hits collection of all the zombies stuff from the Call of Duty games. So it's a new add-on by Treyarch. It's calling it uh, Call of Duty Black Ops 3 Zombies Chronicles. While everyone's talking about Call of Duty World War II, a few of you are talking about this. It is a collection of eight classic maps from Treyarch Zombie Series. They're the ones that every other year put the zombies in. And uh, next week on May 16th for PlayStation 4, you can get it. It's an add-on for $29.99. They announced the Zombies DLC just last week, so this has all been sort of sudden. And... uh, this includes uh, maps, and I think there have been tweaks, so they're not so ugly. But anyway, uh, from Call of Duty games like uh, World at War, Black Ops, and Black Ops 2. You may remember these games. Uh, updates to the maps for modern hardware include graphical changes and some other stuff. It says they add vibrant current-gen visuals, enhanced lighting, revamped character models and environments, and updated AI and audio systems. Also lets you use custom weapons including current weaponry featured in Black Ops 3 that was featured in the original maps, or that wasn't featured in the original maps, that is. Uh, it is only available digitally. You can't go buy this on a disc someplace. I think $19.99 would have been a better value. That's just me. Look, I'm not here to tell the industry how much it should charge for their shit, but that seems high. $39.99, come on now. I mean, that's the cost of a, of a big, nice game. Or, excuse me, $29.99. Sorry. But still, shave 10 bucks off of that. You got, your, you got yourself a deal there, guys. Uh, you also get some player, or you get some of this extra stuff. 20 vials of liquid divinium. Two all-new whimsical gobble gums. What the frick is that? Ex- <laughs> Exclusive zombie packs. Or, excuse me, zombie packs a punch weapon camo. 
and Black Ops 3 Zombie Chronicles dynamic system theme for the PlayStation 4. That is exclusive pre-order incentive content for the PS4. And that features artwork by what they've written here as by renowned artist. Didn't say who, just said renowned. (laughs) Ah, whatever, man. I know the zombie mode has its fans, so you guys should be pretty excited about this. One thing in gaming that happened this week that has me the most excited, uh, and I'm biased because I already love this game in a way that's maybe slightly unnatural, but it was the announcement that Overwatch's D.Va will be playable in Heroes of the Storm Test Arena today, and it is. Um, I haven't, I've been working today and have not had a chance to even look, but I'm going to dive in there tonight and mess around with uh, Heroes of the Storm latest Nexus hero, D.Va from Heroes of the Storm, or excuse me, from Overwatch, who is now part of Heroes of the Storm. She is now the fifth Overwatch hero to join the game. That's crazy. We're already up to five. Uh, This is on the heels of Genji, who came out, what, two weeks ago? A week ago? I think officially a week ago. Do I have that right? Time is flying by at a rate that I'm not comfortable with. Uh, Anyway, she's a tank. She's a warrior. And she's good at zipping in and causing chaos and zipping out. And if if you've played her in Overwatch, you kind of know how she works. I watched a... uh, a breakdown video today where it shows her rushing into combat, creating all kinds of, uh, you know, uh, body blocking and stuff for your team, creating some good peels and stuff. And if she gets shot, uh, beat down enough to pop out of her mech, just like she does in Overwatch, she's now sort of on foot and only has her pistol, but the pistol's got pretty good auto attack damage. Uh, but she's obviously very wimpy and uh, subject to death if she's not careful. Um, What's interesting is, is in the past, each of the characters who have come from Overwatch, their ultimates have just been their ultimates or versions of their ultimates, right? So Tracer, you know, has her sticky bomb thing and Zarya has her, uh, whatever that thing's called, the pulse ball thing. The only difference is one ult uh, has it pop. Let's see, how does it work? I forget. He pulls in or pushes out. Uh, uh, Lucio's thing can either be the big uh, shield or it can be a damage buffer thing uh, so you kind of have the same thing just kind of alternation you know alterations on it when you get to choose at 10 well in the case of diva she doesn't use her normal alt as an alt it's actually just her e ability it's a normal on cooldown ability the cooldown is variable though it's more like a timer so the quicker you fill it up or the quicker you do damage and take damage the faster it'll fill up just like it does in overwatch but you blow up your mech and leave it there to pop and blow and hurt a bunch of people real bad as just a normal ability. Uh, her ultimates are two totally different things that aren't in Overwatch. One is this uh, bunny hop thing where you jump, cause damage, slow the players, and look silly, and it's awesome. Uh, and the second one is this uh, out-of-mech ability, which is like, what's it called? Overshot or Big Shot? I think Big Shot. And it's a, a pulse from your, your little handheld laser gun when you're not in uh, mech form that does a ton of damage and also significantly reduces, if you connect with it, significantly reduces the time that it takes to get your mech back. So a very interesting direction. Not at all expected. And she looks great. And I'm super excited and stoked to play with her in Heroes of the Storm. Have I said it before? I'll say it again. The game has never been better. It is in such a great place right now, you guys. 
And if you're still sitting around going, well, I play League, fine, but go give it a try. I think you might be blown away. It's not even this. I mean, you're not even talking about, they're both MOBA, sure, but we're talking about very different games. And, um, you know, Blizzard, they're so good at this stuff. It, it, you just got to go play it. Heroes of the Storm, Diva, out now. Thanks for being here. Thanks for checking out the channel. Tell your friends. Say, hey, all they got to do is get the Anchor app on their phone or go to anchor.fm slash daily blip and then get this show. It's good times for everybody, even me. So thanks a lot, you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. This is Scott Johnson, and you are listening to The Daily Blip. And I've got some good news. If you were worried about the uh, Forza Horizon 3 game uh, with the Hot Wheels in it being weird and not good, it looks like it's going to be great. Uh, Microsoft just showed off some gameplay footage of Forza Horizon 3 and its upcoming Hot Wheels expansion. And as it was announced previously, Hot Wheels expansion adds Hot Wheels cars and tracks to the game. Looks like a more arcadey style of control and gameplay, which is good. You visit up to six themed islands off the Australian coast. Mate. Uh, each are connected by Hot Wheels tracks that consist of loops, corkscrews, and more. Oh man, the little kid in me is just flipping out right now. Is this enough reason for me to pick up an Xbox? Hmm. Anyway, there are also giant mechanical dinosaurs you got to fight through. Because why not? Uh, there's footage. You can see it in the... Uh, it looks like Kotaku's got video from the stream that they did. And uh, comes out on May 9th. And uh, here's what you're going to get. The DLC is... Uh, let's see. Let me see if I can find it. Here are the nine confirmed rides or cars or vehicles that you're going to find. The 1969 Hot Wheels Twin Mill... The 2011 Hot Wheels Bone Shaker, 2012 Hot Wheels Flip Rod, or sorry, Rip Rod, <laughs> 2005 Hot Wheels Ford Mustang, the 2016 Jeep Tailcat, 2016 Zenvo ST1, I don't know what that is, 2007 Toyota Helix uh, Arctic Trucks, the AT38s, 2010 Pagina Zonda R, don't know what that is, or is it Pagina, Pagina, Vagina, I don't know. And the 1972 Chrysler VH Variant Charger. The screenshots look amazing. <laughs> they look like big plastic orange rubber tracks. And you're racing on those with what look like Hot Wheels cars. So if this uh, you need something to tide you over until that Micro Machines game comes out, this might just be the chicken you were hoping to cook in the fridge. That makes no sense. Why did I say that? I don't even know. New Assassin's Creed game probably got called out and leaked. Looks like the name is going to be called Origins. Assassin's Creed Origins. Seems like everybody's going back in time now, right? Call of Duty, doing the World War II thing again. This seems to be the, uh, I don't know, the thing to do. Assassin's Creed had been moving ever forward into 
more what's what's the word I'm looking for? More modern histories. Ending most recently in the uh London era uh steam punky sort of what's that what's that all called in the 1910s? I don't know what that's called. It's called something. Industrial Revolution, that's it. Well, this one not so much. The next Assassin's Creed title or prequel they're calling it will be called Assassin's Creed Origins and it will set uh itself in ancient Egypt. There's a leaked image from the game showing a dude riding on one of those boats you'd see on the Nile. Those weird, long, skinny boats with the crazy, stretched out uh, thing. What's that called? I can't think of anything. What's that thing called? Uh, the, the, the wind blows. Sail. There you go. It's a sail. That's what I meant. And uh, anyway, these look like those raid boats. And... Um, could you do the boat stuff in the last game? I don't think I don't think Syndicate had any boat stuff, but I think the last time there was boat things was Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag, which was a great game. Anyway, the main objective is telling the player to assassinate the crocodile, while currently active goal is to follow Shadya to Kanut's villa. This all sounds like ancient Egyptian stuff. Pretty exciting. Anyway, they're pretty leaky franchise. This isn't the first time that we've gotten advance notice <clears throat> about something coming to Assassin's Creed, but we did have the skipped year, so I think uh, anticipation is high for what this might be. Perhaps it's a less scripted narrative. Perhaps it's more open-worldy. Perhaps it's not. Maybe it's more linear than it's been in the past. Maybe games like Breath of the Wild will inform more of what it is. I personally can't wait to see what it is because I like me some Assassin's Creed and I feel like it's been enough time since the last one and I really like Syndicate. The one before it was terrible. Unity was bad. Three was also kind of bad. Four was great. This one should be good if they gave it the time it needs. Anyway, we'll see. E3, baby. More Nintendo Switch eShop news. Uh, this is really good news. Can, can I set this up and just say that uh, outside of the Switch itself being available and fun and great and all that? Um, oh, one bummer thing about Mario Kart, by the way. When you beat all the maps in one of the speed settings, you are presented with a credits uh, sequence that you cannot skip. It's a real bummer. That thing lasts like 10 minutes. Anyway. The Nintendo Switch eShop just got a big update that makes things a lot easier for your life. No more putting your credit card info every time you want to buy something on the damn piece of thing. Good gosh, what a nightmare. You can now save your credit card information like you should have been able to from the beginning. It's such a pain in the ass. Nintendo's so bad at this part. They're so bad at this stuff. But uh, this is a step in the right direction. For the first two months of the life, anytime you wanted to, or the life of the unit anyway, every time you wanted to buy something, you had to go in there and manually enter all your card details again. You also had to log into the store again. And if you didn't have your credit card around, it's a pain in the butt. Even if you found it and you put one thing in wrong, it would make it reset and you'd have to do it again. It's an, I hate it. I freaking hate it. Half the reason I've been buying these, uh, my first two games on cartridge is because I didn't want to diddle with it. What a pain. Anyway, now you can save it. That's the bottom line. Uh, big dump of games coming on Thursday. Is it Thursday? That's usually their day. Thursday of the eShop games. So you got time to get in there, get your profiles all set, 
get your uh, card on file, get ready to make your purchase. I've enjoyed uh, Tumbleseed so much on PC that I'm pretty sure I'm going to get the Switch version. That'll be my next digital purchase, I believe. Uh, so that's my plan there, and I will uh, use the new card system to do it. Maybe I'll do it today. Maybe I'll report on how that goes tomorrow. A lot of talk about how that game has great rumble technology because the you know those controllers are touted as having the craziest rumble tech ever, and uh, you know you can you can make it feel like there's a little rock rolling around in there. Well, Tumble Seed's like the perfect game for that, so I have some anticipation for that. Uh, anyway, I'll let you know how it goes. But up till now, what a pain in the A. From now on, no more pain in the A. Your A is pain-free. I'm always happy to tell you guys when there's a new game I'm playing that I really like. And... The funny thing about the one I'm going to recommend today is that the game's actually been out for a while on early access, and I've had it for, oh, I don't think it's been a year, but it's been something like a year. And when I first got it, I went, oh, well, this is all right, but kind of not finished, a little undercooked. You know, early access sometimes is that. The game's called Cave Blazers, and about a year ago or whatever it was, uh, I nabbed it. It was 10 bucks, seemed like a good deal. And it had this immediate quality of looking like a, a bit like Spelunky, although graphically a little more like uh, what's that? What's that Bros one? Oh shoot, I can't remember the name of the game. All of a sudden, the one with the little pixel dudes shooting each other—they all look like you know uh, Stallone and Schwarzenegger and all that. What's that called? Something Bros. Bro, battle, bro. Whatever it is. Anyway. It's like that art style, but spelunky-looking levels and randomly generated stuff and roguelike features and all that. So I went into Cave Blazers thinking, well, this might just be a fun alternative to Spelunky, which I enjoyed the hell out of, and thought, sure, why not? And uh, sure enough, it was, but it was very unfinished, and it felt really light and not, I don't know, I just I felt like, oh boy, this is this is more like a student demo. And I kind of put it away in my head and thought, well, I'll probably never play that again. You know, there's 10 bucks for you. Good luck. Blah, blah, blah. Today, I re-download it, hearing that uh, my buddy um, Terpster over there at the Yogscast, they're going to start publishing some small indie games, and this is one of them. And I went, oh, that game. I have that game. I would like to go see them what they've done to see what they've done with that game since I last had it. I haven't installed it for a while. Let's see what's up. Installed it today. It's great! It's really, really good and way in depth and has an actual release date and all that stuff. Still only 10 bucks and it feels really good. So it's got the kind of shooting and stuff you want from uh, a game like that. You have an alternate fire, which is very different than, than Spelunky. Spelunky was all, all about, you know, having a weapon using a weapon. But this thing's got a, a permanent bow slot and you have a basic bow and sword when you start and you get all kinds of gear as you go and it's always random. It's always different. It's difficult. Uh, lots of platforming stuff, very sort of Super Meat Boy meets, um, well, Spelunky kind of that way. So I'll, I'll still call that sort, sort of Spelunky-like. But the, the 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 bad guys are all really unique and interesting. Uh, these weird blessing things you get are cool. The way the inventory management stuff works is great. Uh, if that scratches your itch at all, if that's a thing you're into, man, 
I'm really impressed with, with where Cave Blazers is right now. So go give it a shot. It's uh, Cave Blazers. Currently, let's see, still open, or sorry, early access. They're showing release date. Originally was April 1st. They're a little late on it, but it looks like it's going to be anytime soon. Published by the Augscast, developed by Rupec Games. And uh, I think it's only like 500 megabytes or something. It's tiny. Can't even find it here. Yeah, it's small. And uh, it's great. Oh, you can dress your guy up too. So you can have different hats and clothes and stuff. Some of those have, a, uh, uh, you know, improvements and stuff. Better weapons as you go. It's a good game. Going to recommend it. Cave Blazers. Go get it. Support those guys. And thanks for listening to the Daily Blip at anchor.fm slash Daily Blip. Check out the app. Tell your friends. We'll see you tomorrow. Hello, fellow Earthicans, and welcome back to the Daily Blip. I'm Scott Johnson, and I'm here to tell you about a really weird acquisition. At least I think it's weird. Google has bought the job simulator and Rick and Morty VR game studio, Alchemy Labs, spelled O-W-L-C-H-E-M-Y Labs, in case you thought it was the actual alchemy spelling. Anyway, it's now owned by Google. You know, Google. Known for their... VR game development. Actually, I kid mostly because they've got their VR initiative with their headsets, which is separate from Gear VR and what Samsung's doing. But you know, Android-based put a put a Pixel in there and run around and do stuff. Deal. I think that's what this is about. Those guys clearly uh, have skills in the area of compelling interactive experiences in VR. That Rick and Morty game is a big hit. And Job Simulator was, uh, you know, one of the early launch darlings of, of VR. So, yeah. Google swooped in and said, yo, what's up? They say uh, over at Alchemy Labs, our plan is to build awesome things, and we will continue doing that forward stronger than ever. They say they will make high-quality VR content for PlayStation VR, Oculus Touch, HTC Vive, although no specific projects were announced. Bears noting that um, Google's already got that other thing on the Vive. What's it called? I can't even think of the name of it now. The drawing app. So this isn't their first foray into sort of multi-platform support. Well, actually, right now, you can only get that app through Vive and nowhere else, as far as I know. Is that on Oculus? I don't think it is. Anyway, they were founded in 2010. They're not even that old of a company. There was a team of four dudes. They now have 23 people. Their big breakout hit, of course, was Job Simulator. And uh, I would say that game was anything but a safe bet. I think they took a real risk with it, and it paid off for them. There have been a bunch of copiers since. And certainly Rick and Morty benefited from what they learned there. Um, anyway, they want to do all of it. They want to get Job Simulator, by the way, on everything. So it sounds like they're not going to like suddenly stop, and they're going to be the new search engine Google arm in VR. By any stretch. It sounds like they're going to keep making games. They'll just have the backing and the blessing of the big G, son. Part of the alphabet now. Time will tell.
couple brand new games on the eShop today. That's exciting news, isn't it? I like it when eShop things happen. Hold on, my headphones are weird. Yeah, they're not weird anymore. <laughs> I fixed them. Anyway, brand new eShop games available for Switch owners, Minecraft, and, well, a little bit of fighting. Uh, I forgot NBA Playgrounds came out earlier. How is that? Anyone playing that? It's like NBA Jam-ish. The big, big-headed dudes jumping down courts, throwing baskets and uh, dunking and stuff. Boom shakalaka, all that. I don't know. I don't know if it's as good as that or what the deal is there. Kind of want to check it out. But anyway, today's big edition is Minecraft. 30 bucks is going to set you back. Features local and online multiplayer support as well as Mario-themed and inspired skins. Uh, now you can have those skins for legit and not like the old days where people just made them because it was fun to make. At any rate, uh, it launches later today. It looks like 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and uh, that's when the servers go go wide. Don't forget, this is a Microsoft company, so Microsoft continuing to push Minecraft into new places, new platforms that are not specifically Microsoft platforms. Uh, the other release is a Neo Geo game called Guru Mark of the Wolves, and it's a 2D fighting game like a lot of Neo Geo games. The uh, game was originally released in 1999, has two-player multiplayer support, as you might expect from such a thing. It will set you back eight bucks. That's not too bad, I guess, if you're into it. Although, are you into it, really? I mean, this ancient fighting game that nobody... Well, I shouldn't say nobody plays. Somebody out there is playing it right now, and they're all, Scott, this is the best thing that ever happened to me and my Switch. Okay, fine, fine. Anyway, it's been nice. A nice, uh, consistent little trickle of games on the eShop since the system came out in March. So, I'm, you know, I think it's impressive that they've kind of kept up the pace, despite the fact not there aren't giant, you know, first or third party games coming out every week. They've been pretty good on the monthly with big stuff. Uh, Arms comes out on June 16th. That's the next big one. And a lot of people are pretty excited about that. Then you get Splatoon uh, 2 on July 21st and Super Mario uh, Odyssey and Xenoblade Chronicles 2 coming later in the year. We still don't have dates on those. Uh, Nintendo talked about what their plans are for E3. They locked it in. We now know what's going on with that. I'll talk about that in the next segment, so stay tuned, okay? All right, as previously mentioned, Nintendo has detailed and dated their 2017 E3 streams. Uh, part of the Nintendo Direct business they've been doing for a couple of years now, a few years now. And uh, we finally have some details, so that's good. Uh, they have that Treehouse event stuff as well. They're doing tournaments on site. So there's more stuff going on than just, you know, the stream talking about three or four games. Uh, they're going to kick this thing off June 13th at 9 a.m. Pacific. That's 5 p.m. Uh, Eastern, I believe. With the Nintendo Spotlight, according to the brief description... This will showcase Nintendo's, quote, Switch games for 2017, including Mario, sorry, Super Mario Odyssey. Uh, imagine this to be a bit like the Sony or Microsoft presser, except probably pre-recorded and probably a little more, you know, edited and all that. That's what they've done in the past. Right after that, they go to their little Treehouse deal, live at E3. And this is uh, Treehouse members and developers. Basically, it's just their people getting up, talking about games, demoing stuff, having a a rotating conversation all day with visitors to this set and all of that. 
and they'll delve deeper into the games. Last year, I remember they they went pretty deep into Breath of the Wild, which was nice to see because, you know, that was the next thing on the horizon. Anyway, you'll be able to see live broadcasts of Splatoon 2. Uh, That's going to be a tournament called the World Inking Invitational. And then the 2017 Arms Open Invitational. Arms isn't even out. It's an unknown quantity, and they're already positioning it for esports entertainment, which I think is fine. You'll be able to watch that on Nintendo's Twitch and YouTube channels, as well as, of course, the website. Many other uh, sites and sources I'll be covering this as well, so you're not limited to those, but there's that. Switch owners are probably, like me, will be eager about new announcements. I am. And, uh, you know, with a new platform like this, that usually means new stuff coming. We already kind of know about everything else, so I don't know. If they're planning anything beyond the stuff we know about, Mario and whatever, they haven't said anything. I hope they get up and go, surprise, uh, Excite Bike uh, 2017, everybody. Esports. Get your teams together. Tournaments. Probably not going to do that. But uh, what do I want? What do I want out of Nintendo? I want to... I know what I want. I want a I want a Metroid game. A Metroid announcement. 2D, 3D, whatever you want, give it to me. Just bring it in. Let's have it. But then maybe a new IP here and there. I know Arms is that and Splatoon is still sort of that. But uh oh, I know what I want. Sorry, take it all back. Animal Crossing, it's all I care about. New Animal Crossing to the Switch. Bring it. Let's do it now. I feel like we've been waiting a lifetime for Star Citizen. I could be uh, exaggerating a little. Certainly it hasn't been. An average lifespan of 80 years. <laughs> but it feels like it. Well, we got an update. Um, Chris Roberts, founder of the Star Citizen business, all that stuff, came out and talked about it a little bit. Uh, talked a bit about the growing funding for the game. The original, I don't know if you guys knew this, the original thinking was that they would raise around $4 million dollars. In fact, he is quoted as saying this exact thing. Quote, my expectation is that we would raise $4 million. He told us to the New York Times. I had investors lined up to help with the rest, but Sandy, my wife, told me not to worry about investors, that we'd make it to $20 million easy. I told her she was crazy, and then it kind of went from there. They are now at $148 million. All right, it's a lot of money. Uh... He said this. Uh, he told the New York Times, uh, who are, uh, and the Times had sort of said in this interview, hey, this is the most ambitious game ever made. And um, he says, I'm already building the best game I can. But imagine the game I can build with $140 million is going to be different than the one I could have built for 10 It can be bigger. It can be larger. It can be more, more robust. And I will. Hmm. Does that fill you guys with confidence? I feel like we just haven't seen enough of the damn game. I played that open beta weekendy thing they did well, like a year ago now. I mean, at some point we're done, right? We're done with the game, and I, we we can play this here this here deal. <laughs> Is that so much to ask in 2017 that I can play a game that was announced in like 2010 or whenever it was? I don't know when it was. I shouldn't say that. Anyway. He went on to say, I love the idea that people can support a game that wouldn't probably be made by a big studio. And he's right. Star Citizen, as designed, is not the kind of game people are making anymore. But it certainly, obviously, has its fans. 
and they're willing to shell out, uh, willing to shell out the big money. Anyway, another Star Citizen news: Cloud Imperium has released a new foot, uh, footage of Luke Skywalker, actor Mark Hamill's character. That's the story mode thing part of this, and of course, Mark Hamill's freaking in it. Of course, he is. He'd be in something if I asked. He'd be on a podcast if I asked. He probably wouldn't. Anyway, thanks, you guys. Like the channel. Tell your friends. Get the app. We'll see you tomorrow. miss sega well we here at the daily blip do as well i'm scott johnson and i'm here to tell you that sega's planning on reviving some major ips talking about older franchises not just sonic there's already there's always a sonic the hedgehog game in the make in the working anyway right or in the in the uh in the planning stages or getting released or whatever that's not that weird but following its earnings report for the most recent fiscal year sega says that they plan on doing all sorts of stuff. Part of their Road to 2020 it was in a presentation where they're going to, I don't know, drag out a bunch of old stuff. Here's just a few ideas. Fantasy Star, that'd be great. Poyo Poyo. Uh, oh, by the way, Persona's their game. And they just came out with a new one of those. That's not really an old thing, is, is it, though? Anyway. They, uh, they spoke about the success of things like Company of Heroes, Dawn of War. The Warhammer version of that game's done, I guess, real well. Uh, Football Manager, the Endless Series. These are all Sega properties now. But they want to bring back the old stuff. Like Shinobi. Remember him? Ninja Man. Through stars and stuff. Panzer Dragoon. Oh my. Maybe we could actually not be on rails this time. That'd be sweet. How about an open-world Panzer Dragoon game? That'd be pretty sweet. Jet Set Radio. That'd be all right. Uh, there's some talk of maybe even teasing a new installment in the Alpha Protocol game. That's not that old, though. We're talking like 360, right? Anyway. Uh, Sonic Mania is being shown off again in Sonic Forces. Uh, classic Sonic gameplay. I don't know if I give a rat's A about Sonic anymore. You might. And if you do, that's great. Because guess what? More Sonic games are coming. But I'm more excited about the idea of a Fantasy Star game that isn't all in Japanese. And I can't get released here in the States. I would be very interested in Jet Set Radio. I'd be very interested in Panzer Dragoon. It's time for Sega to make a comeback. Not a new console. Just bring back some of those games, son. That'd be great. We'll be back with more. Stay tuned. I hope you're not still planning on getting your hands on some E3 public tickets because they're sold out now. There were 15,000 available, and they're now gone. I actually took longer than I thought it would. I thought 15,000 tickets would go really quickly, given that, you know, other conventions of similar notoriety tend to sell out in like a day and a whole lot more tickets. So 15,000, I thought they'd just go really quick. But anyway, it took a little while. It took about a month. 
And uh, a reminder, this is the first one open to the public. Now there are 15,000 tickets gone. That means, you know, you'll have at least, I guess, that many people there. And uh, it was revealed on the official E3 Twitter that this was the case. By the way, those cost people $250. I think I know why they went slowly. (laughs) I don't think that's worth the money. I mean, we don't know yet. This is the first year they've done it, so maybe they'll get there and go, oh my, look at, they've they've really blown it out of the water here at the at the E3 conference for public people. It's a steal at 250. But I doubt it. Anyway, this gets people in on the 13th and runs through the 15th. I guess you're only going to be able to see certain day stuff, though. Let's see. Public's, uh, public tickets provide access to the show floor, some panel discussions, and the newly announced E3 Coliseum event. Uh, I don't think they've given too many details on what that is. But this does not give them access, or certainly not automatic access, to things like the Microsoft or Sony conferences or the Nintendo Treehouse stuff. Although I think that's just out on the floor, so maybe you can watch all that. But, you know, the major press conferences, even from EA and Activision, everybody else, or not Activision, they never do one, do they? Uh, Ubisoft, whoever. I don't think they get to go to those either. So if you've got public tickets, let me know. I'm curious about it. What you expect to see there, and then maybe when it's over, you can tell me what you actually saw. Scott at frogpants.com is the email address. You know what to do. There's a new Zelda game coming, but not to your Switch. Not to your Wii U, not to any of your Nintendo platforms. There's a new report claiming Nintendo's bringing the famous RPG series to mobile devices. We don't have a ton of details, but we know it's a Zelda game. I mean, there's already a Mario game on your on your mobile device, so don't be that shocked, everybody. Reports also claims that the Pokemon company is planning another card-based title for the uh, for mobile devices as well. So, not to be confused with Pokemon Go. That's a whole separate deal. Like a real Pokemon game. Or as real as it can be. According to sources who talked to the Wall Street Journal, the version of Zelda set to launch after the release of Animal Crossing, that's the next mobile game, uh, says it's due out the second half of the year. And uh, nothing's nothing's for sure. Everything's sort of locked down on timing, so we don't know exactly when that's going to happen. But we know sometime between April 2018, we're supposed to get Animal Crossing. I hope it's a lot sooner than that. Um, anyway, it's the Japanese game developer DNA. They're working on the Zelda mobile game. They worked together previously on that, uh, Puzzle and Dragons and Mario thing that they had on the 3DS. So this is them going back the other direction. Of course, they made Puzzle Puzzle and Dragons, uh, for mobile as well. Anyway, we don't know what the gameplay of the thing's going to be. It might be just a retro throwback. It could be a whole new thing. We don't know what the art style is going to be. It could be anything. Uh... I don't know, man. I don't know what to expect from a, a Zelda title. I'd probably expect something like, here's Zelda 1 and 2, plus maybe a third thing that makes you want to buy microtransactions. I don't know. I don't know what it looks like or what it is. Or you're tracing paths with your finger. It's more like one of the old DS games or something. Actually, just straight up port one of those. That'd be all right. I'd pay for that. 
anyway, we don't know what it is, but we got to wait for Animal Crossing first, which is fine with me because I like Animal Crossing. And I would also like them to hurry up and make one of those for the Switch, please. Thank you very much. Finally today, Halo developer says uh, they got a new head of their studio. This is 343 Industries, the guys that have been in charge of uh, of the Halo stuff with Microsoft since the exit of Bungie. And they went off to do Destiny and their own things. And um, they've named Chris Lee as the new studio head. He worked on Halo 3, also on ODD, uh, ODST, uh, Halo 4, and Halo 5. So he's been around since the Halo 3 days. That means... He's been around since the Bungie days. I think that's probably a good thing. Uh, this is on the news that Dan Ayub, I don't think I'm saying his name right anyway, works uh, now at a different division inside Microsoft. He was the former head of the Halo team. And that other division is dealing with mixed reality. So um, the headset thing they're working on, uh, probably other VR initiatives, stuff like that. So that's where that guy went. So now veteran of Microsoft, Chris Lee's taking over. Uh, he was the executive producer of Halo 5, Guardians, and the senior lead on Halo 4. He also worked on, like I said, Reach uh, 3 and ODST. Most recently, he worked at 343 uh, in that studio directly. So now he's in charge. It's good stuff. According to his public LinkedIn page, anyway. He uh, joined the company in 2003 as a software test engineer. Then he joined the game development division around 2004. So he's been around for a bit. Not for the entirety of, uh, you know, Microsoft's foray into into Halo. Wasn't there in the early days, but I think that's enough to give me a little confidence in what they may have planned for the future of Halo. Another important bit of news, uh, Microsoft is denying, or confirming, rather, that Halo 3 anniversary is not happening. There's a lot of people talking, oh, they're making an anniversary version of Halo 3. It'll play on modern consoles and maybe PC, and that'll be great, and they're not doing that. So... They do say they've got something big to show at E3 outside of Halo News, and that's exciting, I suppose, for many of us. Uh, one final note uh, before I get out of here. Twitch is streaming 886 episodes of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. So what are you doing listening to me? Get out of here. Go over to Twitch and watch as one of the great helpers of children in the world puts on a sweater, changes his sneakers, and teaches you what life's about. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Just when you thought it was safe to come back to the Daily Blip and not hear about a Far Cry 5 game or The Crew 2 being announced as sequels, well, too bad. It's you're, You shouldn't have hoped that because it happened. Far Cry 5 and The Crew 2 have been announced. They did not wait till E3 to talk about this. I don't know what Ubisoft's thinking. Uh, probably a new Assassin's Creed game. Also, maybe additional South Park stuff, even though that new fractured butthole game isn't out yet. More news on that thing later, actually, but... Far Cry 5 is in development, scheduled to be released uh, before April 2018. So an early year uh, release, probably March-ish is my guess. And it's one of the four major games from Ubisoft that are set to launch in the fiscal year of late 2017 to early 2018. That ends March 31st, so definitely March is my thinking. 
I mean, maybe earlier. It could be the end of this year for all we know. But the other three titles, as far as we know, are Assassin's Creed, South Park, The Fractured Butthole, <laughs> and The Crew 2. Company said today in an earnings release, this was for their 2016 to 2017 fiscal year, and the Far Cry announcement came on the heels of a tweet that went out, and all it was was a logo. It just said Far Cry 5. That's it. So we don't know anything else about it. Uh, except it's the first one since that Stone-Aged Far Cry Primal game, which did okay, but not great. That came out in 2016, if you may remember, last year. And uh, there's some early rumors that this thing is set in Montana, which has some people scrambling going oh my gosh they're going to try to take on red dead directly with the uh, old west version of of far cry which i'd be all into by the way um but now there's talk that that's more of a modern setting still in montana but is more about like meth gangs and and stuff like that still i i mean i know there's a lot of open terrain in montana but i don't know if i buy that that's the best place to do this i would still rather have a western game but i'm biased that way they also say they're going to make a follow-up to the crew, even though I don't think the crew was all that well-loved. It was okay. It's kind of a big open-worldy kind of online MMO car game deal. And they're coming back to it. And we don't know much about Assassin's Creed, except it's called Origins and it's probably Egyptian. But uh, anyway, Ubisoft getting ready to show us their stuff in just a couple few weeks is all. Looking forward to it. More on that later. Talked last week about that PC MMO coming that looks like Red Dead Redemption. They have announced a big change. According to the studio, who's been funding this through Kickstarter, they say they now have enough Kickstarter that they're not going to have to do... Or no, I, 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 I take that back. They're not even going to have to do the Kickstarter. They've got enough funding outside of that to skip Kickstarter altogether and skip Steam Early Access altogether. This is going to be a straight-up game, dude. None of this like weird... Kickstarter to early access three years later, maybe it's a game kind of kind of path. We're gonna go straight to game. Uh lots of buzz around this thing. People are flipping out. And so uh the developer, 612 Games, 612 Games, maybe they say it, I don't know. They say Wild West Online is scheduled to launch later this year. <clears throat> that means they got a lot done. Closed beta will be held in the summer. No word yet on how it will be uh, possible for players to get in there. Maybe you have to sign up. Maybe it's invite only. We don't know. I really want in on this thing. They have several expansions planned is another note they mentioned. They said, quote, the community's response to Wild West Online is something we never imagined. And thanks to it, we're able to fully develop a robust Western experience for the PC. I uh, said this. We've been fortunate enough to have our initial investors step up and provide additional funding to make the game we wanted without having to raise money via crowdfunding. Westerns are lacking on PC, and we can't wait to release the game to the full public. Uh, they're going to... Yeah, it's coming. Oh, and they showed some screenshots, some combat-based stuff where... It's like a cowboy shooting some dude. I'm very curious about this. I still, like last time when I talked about this, I still have big questions about, is this... How MMO is this? Is this cooldowns? Is it keys one through zero? Is it... You know, X to sit and bring up a mount. And like, I, I mean, I'm, I don't, I'm trying not to compare it to the WoW model that everyone else uses, but that's what everyone else uses. So how is this going to be different? 
Will it be more like an open world story-driven experience? Will it be a lot of NPCs and a lot of weird fetch quests? Like, I, there, I have so many questions, but I'm really happy it's being made either way. I'm pretty stoked for it to come. More on that as we get it. And if any of you have contacts or ways for me to get early access, I would not turn down your email. All right? Let's get into uh, the South Park deal. So we have a new release date. This is a, a new confirmed release date. And I'll say again because uh, it was supposed to happen multiple release dates ago. We should have had this game by now. But uh, South Park, the fractured butthole <laughs> release date has been confirmed. It will arrive in October of 2017. This is the long-awaited not sequel, but, you know, next game in the South Park series. The first one being, uh, what was that called? The uh, Fantasy Cartman Monkey 3. What was it called? I don't remember the name of it. Ah. What's the name of that first game? Oh, The Stick of Truth. That was it. <laughs> Sorry, I had to jog my memory. Anyway, they've confirmed it. Uh, this is according to Ubisoft. I s- assume we'll see more D3, because why not? Uh, it's going to come out October 17th across North America, Europe, and the Middle East, and Asia. Uh, there is a worldwide, essentially, uh, launch of the game. And uh, the new trailer is out. It's far, It's farting. It's focused on the farting vigilante, which is a character in this thing. By the way, it is a uh, superhero-themed deal instead of uh, being fantasy-based like the last one. Uh, here is the quote. With crime on the rise in South Park, the streets have never been more dangerous As the sun sets on the quiet Colorado town, havoc and chaos unleash a reign of terror and the seedy underbelly of the city comes alive. The town needs new heroes to rise. Eric Cartman seizes the opportunity to save the town and create the best superhero franchise ever. His own coon and friends with himself as the leader, the coon. It's like a raccoon, okay? Just, it's South Park, right? You guys know what you're getting into here, right? I don't need to tell you. You know what's up with this. Okay. Uh, if you pre-order the game now, you get a, pr- a exclusive in-game assistant. Towley, your gaming bud. Don't forget to bring a towel. He gives helpful advice and hints and commentary to players uh, through key locations of the game. This game comes out on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. So maybe there'll be a Switch release. Probably not. I doubt it. I don't know. Nintendo care about that stuff anymore? They used to care a lot more about that stuff. Anyway, coming soon. Look forward to it. Play it. And be offended like the rest of us. Finally, some good news for Witcher fans. I like the Witcher. I like Geralt of Rivia. He's cool. Uh, They're getting a Netflix series. And um, they're adaptations of the do- of the uh, the uh, novels, rather, written by Andreas Hapowski, I think is how you say his name. They're being adapted for television by Netflix. Those books are regarded highly. People like those. I've talked to many. I haven't read them, but I've heard good things about them. And, um, yeah, this is kind of cool. Uh, they say he's created a rich and memorable world, unquote. One of the magical... Um, uh, sorry, one of... 
at once a magical and familiar experience, says Eric Barmack, Netflix vice president, international series. Uh, in a statement, he said, we could not be more excited about bringing Netflix members around the world this great tale. Uh, the author says, I'm thrilled that Netflix will be doing an adaptation of this story, staying true to the source material and the themes I have spent over 30 years writing, added Sapowski. I am excited about our efforts together, as well as the team assembled to shepherd these characters to life. So I may be new to the party here, but I did not realize until I was looking some of this up and checking this uh, story out that these books and stories existed before the games, that the games were an adaptation of of the books. That was news to me. There's probably more to it than that, and I don't even know that. But um, I do know that Witcher 3 was one of the best video games I've ever played. And uh, I'm really excited about CD Projekt's next game, CD Projekt Red's next game, Cyberpunk 2077, if that'll ever happen. Good Lord. Things has been on back burner forever. But, um, but yeah, uh, those games are great, and the source material is exciting, and I watched the hell out of this. It would also be nice to see... Um, I don't know something besides Game of Thrones get all of the the fantasy love on TV I mean I know there's some other choices but really that's your big one right it'd be nice if this could maybe rival that time will tell but I'm jazzed about it so The Witcher Geralt heading to your TV screen no longer is he just on a horse doing stuff doing dirty dirt in the world he's got more to say more to do stuff to stuff to have happen it will be live action by the way not animated which is, you know, it'd be fine if it was animated too. Anyway, it's going to do it. Thank you guys for listening to this Anchor channel. Make sure you get the app and tell your friends. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.